Hello. That's so adorable. I told you I did it! I got it! I mean, TTRPGs are about fun and about collaboration. The, what this all builds, what this is all building towards, is more empathetic connections between people. There you go. Go there in the end. Hello and welcome to another episode of Delightful Dungeon Diving, the coffee, <clears throat> I mean tea table podcast dedicated to talking TTRPGs, TTRPGs, and character development inside and outside of the role-playing atmosphere. So today we have something along the lines of character development, actually, but I will let Ibrahim lead us into that. Ibrahim. Yes. So our uh, bewitching beverage for today, our little uh, topic of the day uh, is going to be, I believe, a fine chai tea. Uh, We're in the winter months, I say. I I think we're firmly in winter. And that chill that's nipping at your bones can be uh, put to rest with a fine chai tea. Uh, a bit nice. redundant to say chai tea, as chai means tea, but that is the parlance that we have. Tea tea. It's the tea tea and TTRPGs, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there we go. This is the tea tea in TTRPGs, and <laughs> what a delightful chai. I I, uh, I don't know if y'all have special chai recipes, but I like mine uh, a bit heavy on the nutmeg. Um, oh. And with a little bit more uh, masala, and I think uh, with, uh, with a little... I, typically use almond milk um and it just gives it a delightful uh flavor um today we're going to be revisiting some old friends in our scene called downtime i think you'll remember a few of these amazing characters mayday maybell who is a warforged fighter who is a glass half full kind of person to a fault Mayday Maybell, or Maymay as their friends affectionately call them, is eternally optimistic and refuses to let any situation seem hopeless, neither for themselves or others. Sassafras is a goblin artificer who, due to their state of constant invention and tinkering and acquiring knowledge, has fallen into a false understanding of the world. Sassafras thinks they have it all figured out, how things work, how the rules are written, and this has ill-equipped them for when the floor drops out beneath them. Kincaid is a dwarven fighter who cuts a fearsome figure, but has a rather large fear of creepy crawlies. However, Kincaid views fear as an opportunity for bravery, and believes wearing one's emotions on their sleeve helps others to express their emotions in a healthy way, too. Marella as a gnome druid has fit herself snugly into the role of group grandmother. Marella has a fair amount of adventuring behind her, but rather than stuck in her own methods and ways, she views adventuring as a way to constantly learn about how people and societies have changed. Marella can be stirred, but only because she hopes people will believe themselves capable of being better. We find our adventurers huddled around a campfire, finally gaining a moment to rest after their most recent terrifying exploits. So that was exciting and new. I thought we agreed not to talk about the tower. Oh, but it was such a novel experience. Mimi, I think Sassy might be processing a bit of trauma from those little beasties the Mad Mage left as a surprise. They were horrifying. Almost as bad as those ropers on my first outing. Ropers? I don't believe I've seen those before. Oh, and you should hope you don't. I was young. Just a bit of fuzz on my chin. Still new to this adventuring life, and I took a job to find some missing miners. Did you find them? Ah, yes, I did. Well, I found their bones and almost added my own to the pile. But my family armor hadn't been passed down through five generations because it was flimsy. Spent some time getting gnawed on till that living stalactite got bored and spat me back out. So is that what got you in the business? Family legacy? Yep. I come from a proud line of adventuring folk, but before you think so, it was never a burden. I always envied my older sisters when they took their first missions, and I can't be happier with how I've followed their footsteps. Even with all the horrifying creatures you've seen. Ah, well, I think fear and courage go hand in hand, right? Can't have one without the other. That's a lot of healthy of you, Kincaid. What about you, Maymay? 
How did you start out in this life? Oh, well, I woke up in a fire. Uh, elaborate? I woke up for the first time, and I think I was in a laboratory of some kind, and everything was on fire. That must have been frightening for you. Oh, no, no. It was also exciting. I was brand new to the world, and there was so much to take in all at once, and the fire was warm, just like this one. Was there anyone around, or...? Not that I could see, although my eyes were still adjusting. But I did search the wreckage for a while, but I did not find anyone. Just me. You say wreckage as if this laboratory was on a... A ship, that is correct. A skyship. The ship had crashed and teetered over a cliff. I don't know what happened to lead to these events, but what a beginning for me. Seems to me you had quite the perilous start. I have so many questions, but I suppose the most important one right now is, are you all right? Of course. Every day brings fascinating wonders to add to my memory, and I am positive one day the missing pieces will get filled in. You're always so positive, Mei Mei. It's really admirable. Thank you, Sassafras. And I must say, you are resourceful beyond measure. Well, my grandpa taught me everything I knew. <clears throat> oh, was he an artificer too? Something like that. My parents went missing after I was born, but it's okay. I never knew them. My grandpa took me in and raised me in his workshop. I had a pretty happy childhood, all things considered. I'm sure your grandpappy would be proud of you, Sassy. Your quick thinking has gotten us out of more than one mess. Thanks. But I think some of those messes were mine to begin with. Grandpa always warned me about the world kept moving beyond whatever project I was focused on. I just thought if I knew how one thing worked, it would explain the rest. I think a lot of people try to find meaning in small things and extrapolate. It's a natural process. Thanks for that, Kincaid. The world scares me sometimes. Grandpa's shop made sense. Every toll had a purpose. Everything we had, everything we made, had pieces that fit together. Nothing unexplained. But beyond his shop... It's okay to be confused and scared and anxious. And it's okay not to be, too. No one has all the answers, Sassafras, and no one ever will. Well, maybe Morella, but... She's the wisest person I've ever met. Oh, you bearded blessing. Trying to soften me up so I'll bake me brownies again. It was worth a shot, but still true. You've seen a lot of adventures, haven't you, Morella? How did you get into this? Yes, Morella. I have always been curious how someone as nice as you can... Well, I have seen how you face monsters before. Ah, well, you see, I had a home, and a garden, and a bakery, and a whole big family of sisters and brothers and cousins and a whole lot, and they were all waiting for me to add my own little brood to the mix. But I was plenty happy on my own. You didn't want a family? Oh, well, maybe one day, but gnomes live a long time, you know, and I just didn't feel it was my time, or that maybe it never would be. It took a long time for me to realize that that was okay. It must have been hard with everyone pressuring you. Aye, it was a bit, and after a while I found myself filling a role I wasn't fulfilled with. Dependable old Marella, always gardening, always baking, always there. So, one day I heard the road calling my name, and an apprenticeship to a drill circle, a face-off with a dragon in the swamps, and the rescue of a myconoid prince. Later, I found you lovelies. Okay, we're going to need story time more often. What amazing friends I have! Agreed, Mei Mei. Totally agreed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Hopefully you have some inkling of what we're going to be discussing today. But first, some introductions. My name is Nick. My pronouns are he, him. And an uh, odd fact about me is uh, that I grew up overseas. Um, I grew up in on the island of New Guinea, the western oh. portion, which is under the government of Indonesia. And uh, that has been a big factor in my life as I reconcile with my placement there. And when people ask me, you know, where I'm from, it's always a tricky question because I don't want to claim a place uh, that I'm not indigenous to, but also it leaves you uh, leaves you in a kind of a nebulous state. So I have found that it 
influences a lot of my writing and characters, right? <laughs> Grappling mm-hmm. with those uh, with those origins. <laughs> yeah. My name is Emily, and my pronouns are she/her. My odd fact: I'm going to link a little bit to this uh, session's topic, and it is how I named my cat. Uh, so my cat is Grim. He's a grey little bugger and <laughs> he's uh grim is actually short for grimalkin which is a monster i found in a 3.5 edition monster manual many many years ago um well 13 years ago to be in fact um and it's just i saw it it's a gray shape-shifting cat and i thought that's absolutely perfect for this for this cat and um Grim is also grim because I loved Brothers Grim and still do. So it's kind of like a double whammy of of names. So um yeah, he's grim by name, grim by nature. He is a grumpy boy. <laughs> but yeah, that's I named that's my amazing. cat after a monster from a monster manual. There you are. What a fantastic name for a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my name is Ibrahim. Uh, my pronouns are he and him. Um and an odd fact about me is that I have not seen any mafia or organized crime movies with the exception, if this counts, of the Home Alone series. <laughs> yes, uh, it I'm officially saying it counts, yes. yes. Yeah. I'm not sure I have either. <laughs> yeah, like, when you really think about it, who's actually seen The Godfather? I don't think it's as many people <laughs> as know about yeah, The Godfather. Or as many people have the posters in their room. On. Great poster, fantastic poster. Yeah, I'm sure I did for my film studies class like years ago, and that's longer ago than I'd like to admit as well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you're right. That's a very, very good point. All right. Well, and I'm Hannah, pronouns are she, her. And uh, the fun fact I'd like to share this week is I am a working actor. Um, Something that I have been thinking about a lot recently is how back when I was younger, I thought to be a working actor meant you had to either be in Hollywood or on Broadway. And it is so much different than that. Um, Professionally, my main source of income is as a sightseeing tour guide in the city of Boston, Massachusetts in the United States. Uh, And I also do voiceover work. As I've mentioned before, I'm a hospital clown. Um, I take film gigs every now and then if I have the opportunity and, uh, it's a lot of gig work, but, uh, I am successfully a working actor. Being a performer is how I pay the bills and I'm really proud of that. Nice. Nice. Amazing. So that's the crew of Delightful Dungeon Diving and we're excited for you to join us today. Uh, after our bewitching beverage, we also like to have a splendid snack, which is our, a uh, snack representing the topic that we're doing today. So today I will present a snack. One of my favorites is a bear claw, which is a baked good. Um, you can find them mixed. Uh, you find them filled with a lot of different kinds of fillings, but typically it's something like an almond paste or a cinnamon mixture, and they're cut into a little shape that kind of resembles a bear claw. So real fun to fill you up, uh, and if you could pick up on some of the hints of our uh, scene with all of our character backstories. Today, we're going to be discussing character creation. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Um, Getting us started off, uh, let me ask a question. What is the biggest hangup or the the, the most difficult part of character creation that y'all have found? Ooh, where to start? Big question to start us off. Um, uh, I think for me, it's trying to step away from the MMO, kind of like what does the party need, sort Mm. of like healer, tank, or otherwise. Um, For me, like stepping out of that kind of type of role in a party and into a more kind of just narrative Mm-hmm. one um has been tricky for me so i'm like oh you're doing that okay then i won't be such a tanky character i'll i'll change my tack or whatever mm-hmm. um and just trying to realize that hey you can have two tanks it's fine yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nothing, you can have four tanks I mean, there's nothing wrong with that 
for for myself, I I like the whole idea of plugging holes with my choices, just because it gives some nice framework for me. I uh, I find I feel myself often overwhelmed with how many choices there can be to mm-hmm. creating a character. And so if I'm coming to a party where I know what the other players are leaning toward in terms of class, uh, I will take that as a bit of a, a rubric to help me guide my choices of, you know, oh my goodness, I could play a, I could play a, a bard. I mean, 5e being, being the thing I've played most often. I could play a bard. I could play a cleric. I could play a rogue. But we already have a rogue. So I guess maybe I'll play a cleric this time. Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of that mechanical side of things, um, for me though, you know, obviously the being overwhelmed with choice is something I find to be a challenge and I play with a group most regularly. They are constantly coming up with character concepts and a lot of the time we'll just play random one shots just because they have an idea for a game. They have an idea for either a campaign or for characters and I'm suddenly... I have to create a new character and I want to play and I want to enjoy it, but I don't have any inspiration right now. What the heck am I going to do? So sometimes just finding that kernel of inspiration, but also not holding myself to too high of standards and being comfortable, just kind of creating very little and living in the moment and being Mm. okay with that. Because on the one hand, like you can have a great concept that has a long history and you have a lot to work with that you then have to live up to maybe in your own mind, which can be its own challenge. Mm. But also coming in with next to nothing and filling it in as you go is totally allowed as well. And um, sometimes and that's the the thing I'm currently working on is not feeling like I have to come up with everything ahead of time and being comfortable discovering it in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Improvising and adapting as you go. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy coming forward with a character that isn't well-rounded because a lot of the longer campaigns, it's it's enjoyable to see those characters grow Mm -hmm. and for you to kind of like fill in those gaps with those moments that you have in game. Um, And there's nothing wrong with kind of your your character changing throughout the course of a campaign that's character growth and they may change opinions on anything um during the course of that time due to any kind of circumstance so or you can also just retcon stuff yeah that's true that's always an option if you don't like a thing that you said about your character and if that's bothering you you can change it you can just make that different um and sort of like in keeping with that the way that I prefer to do character creation is uh, a way that kind of uh, uh, assuages some of my problems with character creation. Um, And that's to create my character at the same time at the same table in a sort of round Mm -hmm. table fashion with the other players. Mm -hmm. We all create our characters together. No one's really bringing, they might bring in concepts that they want to explore, but we have a campaign. We know what the campaign is. We all decide together what who our characters are, what their relationships to each other are. And then because we're all at the table doing that, all these little role play scenes that might not otherwise be able to occur start to occur. And people are like, oh, it would be cool if my character was siblings with your character or if my character uh, knew yours uh, uh, secret and all of these little things that just sort of naturally appear as people are talking to each other around the table. Yeah. No, I do. I do like that. I would also point out um, there are arguably two different phases of character creation, depending on the system you're using. But in a lot of them, uh, the two phases I would argue are the narrative side of things and the character sheet building side yeah. of things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And those can mm-hmm. they? They don't have to be. They can be connected. One can inspire the other, or vice versa. Um, and for me, sometimes one of my inspiration is, you know, not coming very clearly. Like I said, I'll start with the character sheet first and then see if I can create a concept. I find myself more fulfilled though, if I can, if I am able to come up with a concept, um, and then build a character sheet around that. Uh, but I'm just remembering one resource I find really fun. 
uh, at least for fifth edition, though, I'm sure you could actually apply this for other games as well. Um, and forgive the language here, but have you heard of the website who the fuck is my D and D character dot com? It is exactly I'm what it sounds like. This. It is a random generator. They have different um it, it randomly generates uh different things and uh it just gives you an idea. I, I'll I'll pull one up right here. I just typed in who the fuck is my dnd character dot com d n d uh for the record, um and it co- it rolls up it it brings up a page just a very fairly blank page that just says I'm going to roll the stats for a fucking hot headed half elf warlock from a frozen jungle who wants to become a famous singer, and if I refresh that, uh you think your character is cool? My character is a fucking demure dragonborn warlock from a very tiny province who suffers from nosebleeds and do you want to hear what mine is definitely <laughs> rolled up. What is it? a selfish dwarf barbarian from a string of terrible places to live who believes dungeon crawling is just breaking and entering <laughs> oh man i think all of our characters uh, from our scripts this, are going to be from this, this now <laughs> oh, yeah. so so it's it's a jumping off point that it will give you an idea and you can mix and match and you know, maybe it tells you something like both of mine just came up as warlock. Maybe I don't want to play a warlock, but I like the other narrative ideas from that. I can, you know, y- you can take as much or as little from that as you want if you're just totally looking for lo- at a loss for inspiration. Uh, that's one of my go-tos. I'm book. Well, and this is this is fantastic because one of our um, one of our guiding principles with this podcast was this is this is not a um, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition specific podcast. We talk TTRPGs in general, but also character development and story writing in general as well. And we want our listeners to be able to take some some skills from this, some tips and tricks. And this is perfect because if you're having trouble thinking of characters for a story, for a book, for anything, you know, this really boils it down to a very quick hook for a backstory, a possible flaw, and mm-hmm, a possible yeah. guiding um a guiding principle or guiding emotion that your character feels. And it, it's so simple, but it's so effective too. Cause I think that's, I think that's the thing I struggle the most with. And I was just talking with some kids in one of my campaigns about this, how I love getting ideas from them because I get stuck in my own head. And it's not that every one of my characters will look the same, but it's hard for me to step out of the comfort zone of the kind of character that I would like to play in a video game, say, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. it, it stuff like this, just take that leap and try something new and mm. it leads you to some really interesting places. Yeah, for sure. This reminds me actually this website of, um, I used to really enjoy rolling on the, uh, the floors and strengths and stuff tables mm-hmm. on the kind of character uh-huh. creation thing, just cause that can really inspire Yes, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and sorry, <laughs> <laughs> um, cauldron of everything. Um, but I, um, I just I loved it because it sometimes I would kind of give myself the challenge of going, okay, I'm going to use whatever is rolled and yes. see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, or in other times, it's just like this can give me some inspiration and could compete to other things. But um, I do like the challenge of sticking to what's rolled sometimes and really coming up with something incredibly wacky and endearing. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't tend to go that literal with the flaws, uh, the backgrounds section, mm-hmm. but um, I have definitely enjoyed with 5e having the Xanathar's Guide to Everything with the character creation tables that helps you figure out everything from, you know, how many people in your family, if, mm-hmm. you know, what life events you've experienced, um, and that can give a lot of framework to jump off from. I also have found there are other books out there with similar prompt kind of nature. Uh, I have one called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, and it has a lot of scenarios, uh, like toward the beginning of the book, it has idioms. Um, And you can roll a die and, you know, say of a D6, I I rolled, um, you know, it's got options for... Choose the fault one of the following words or roll on the profession or monster table to start start your idiom. Um and you can't find a raging 
wizard without <laughs> swinging a sword in the darkest dungeon. <laughs> okay. You know, or, or you can, it, it, and and this is you know I just randomly picked items off of this, but you can come up with an idiom that you your character might have, and there are writing prompts in here. Uh, what have you learned should be avoided at all cost? What measures do you take these days to avoid this? Um, this would be a great guide for just creating characters for even writing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. in terms of creating background things, I, I haven't used this as much as I would like to. But it's a whole book of writing prompts on how to come up with your character. And I would caution, of course, with that, like, if you are the kind of person that likes to write a lot and get a sense of your character through that realm, don't necessarily present all of that to your GM. Use that as an exploratory thing for yourself, but make sure you have a way of sussing out the bullet points that your GM needs to know. They don't need all your days and days of writing that you use to find your character. They just need yeah. the highlights. Yeah, I would agree. And and also you, as we mentioned, Emily and Abraham were saying earlier, you know, oh, and, 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 and Hannah, actually, all, everyone was talking about this, uh, retconning anything from your character. Mm-hmm. If you give your, your GM the entire binder of your character backstory and they start planning off of some of those things you gave you do kind of pigeonhole yourself into those and make them immutable. Um, But on the narrative side of things with retconning, you know, in a TTRPG game, you you can just tell your, 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 your group members like, Hey, I know I said this one thing, but I really don't like how that fits. So I want to change it. Mm -hmm. You can, you can do that. Totally fine. You can also narratively find excuses for this. Your character might be an unreliable narrator. Maybe they lied deliberately. Maybe they were lied to about their background. I mean, as you saw in our scene, Mayday Mabel doesn't necessarily know their origins, whereas the other characters around the campfire had a had a solid understanding of themselves. Mm -hmm. Your characters don't have to be fully actualized. Um, They can be a little a little goofy and still trying to figure it out Mm because, you know most people as we all are, are in real way. life right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know those of us in our 30s uh, you still don't have anything figured out no <laughs> everyone just pretends it's fine. this um, is from from a teaching perspective this is something that drove me crazy all the time and still does when i hear adults talk about kids and assigning personalities to children they aren't full people yet. <laughs> they get yeah. all the rights of people, sure, but they are still figuring out who they are. So if you think back right. to yourself, who you were as a kid, as a teenager, probably not really close to who you are now. There's yeah, been a lot point. of growth, a lot of changes, and your characters are going to feel that too. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and on the, like you said, kind of like pigeonholing and kind of assigning roles, uh, I always tend to lean away from alignments for that kind of reason because it's sort of, I feel like it's quite restrictive and it forces you to kind of think, okay, I'm an evil neutral mm. character. What would I do? Um, instead of kind of just going in the moment and thinking what would your character do? Don't have right. to stick to being evil. Actually, maybe something has happened that actually they're not that evil anymore there is Mm. growth there is change they're figuring things out um i just say just just stay away from alignments personally for systems that use alignment i feel very strongly that alignment should be descriptive not prescriptive Mm. that is you play your character as your character as you think your character would act so long as you're not being a jerk out of game to the other players Right, right um but you play your character in theory as true to their who they are, and then you look at those actions and how does that describe how is that described by alignment? Not you decide ahead of time I'm going to play a good character and you have to fit to the you know pigeonhole yourself mm-hmm, into good. Mm-hmm. Um, it is descriptive, not prescriptive, and it's also changeable. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 I mean, if alignments are helpful for you, then fair enough. Um, but don't feel like you are constrained by those in any stretch of the imagination. I found um, Fizzbond's Treasury of Dragons, uh, a supplement for D&D 5e. There's some fantastic writing in that book. And one of the things I really enjoyed, I think I made a video about it, actually, 
was the way they described alignments for these dragons. And the, the idea was if you're crafting a, a dragon character, uh, either as the BBEG or just a mm-hmm. character your, your characters meet, um, the way they did alignments, because dragons in the D&D world are typically put into alignment categories, but the mm-hmm. way they describe them is fantastic, especially for the neutrally aligned dragons. Well, what does neutral mean? Is that just like a regular person? And the, the way a lot of these descriptions went was for neutral aligned characters, we focus on the consequences. What are the consequences of their actions and how much do they care or are self-aware of those consequences? That's, and, that's good. Uh, yeah, even just as a writing uh, tool, it, it's it's such a great uh piece that was put together so i I really enjoy stuff taking stuff like that from things like dungeons and dragons or pathfinder that just the supplement books have a lot of little nuggets of wisdom in there that you can use yeah i like that quite a bit i like different ways of looking at the kind of intentions so it's like consequence versus sort of what would they do i like that right yeah very good so nick how do you create your character What's the first thing you look at? Do you look at class, race? Do you look at a theme? When, if I'm making a character to play in a uh, TTRPG, I, I think I do look at class. I look mm-hmm. at what's this character going to do? What are the abilities I'm going to get to use? Uh, when I create characters as a GM, um, <laughs> Honestly, it's really dumb, but usually what I do is I go on Pinterest and I just, I start scrolling through character <gasps> concepts. Yeah. Or I, I see a picture anyway. and I say, yeah. all right, I've got a voice. I've got an idea about this person. Yeah. I'm doing it. And that's, I, I go full chaos on the GM side of things. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ibrahim, yeah. what about you? What's your, what's your primary for creating a character? Ooh. Um, when I'm creating a character for myself, I usually start with a really simple idea before I have a class, before I have, uh, racial options or background, anything like that. I just start with, um, the idea of, okay, who's a person that exists in this world, in this setting. And that could be as simple as, uh, there's a, there's a baker. Um, okay. Why would a baker be doing this? He's looking for ingredients. Okay. Why is he doing that? Well, because once upon a time, he had uh, the most divine, like, amazing pastry, and he cannot replicate it after years of trying, and he can't figure out what the last ingredient was. Okay, so I've got a person, I've got a drive, I've now got an idea of what their goal is, then I can fill in the flavor of, okay, what skills have you picked up to try and do this more? Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And build them out from there. Uh, as an NPC, or if I'm building NPCs for a campaign, um, in, when I'm in the GM seat, it's a little bit different because mm-hmm. I look to my players and say, okay, who do I want my players to interact with? They have family members, they have friends, they have uh, people who they hate, um, they have their own goals that they're trying to accomplish, and there are people in their way. So then it's like, okay, who is the person that you would least like to run into? <laughs> and then that's the NPC. Amazing. Nice. Although we're gonna need an animated treatment on that baker because if I don't find out if the baker ever gets, arrested, <laughs> I'm gonna be really, really depressed going into the holidays. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Definitely. I Why think it's definitely. <laughs> I think the conclusion to that baker story is definitely something like, "Oh, I found the final recipe, and it was not. It wasn't love. It was an ingredient. But also, <laughs> even with this ingredient." <laughs> Unless I put love into it, it doesn't mm. work. So, I yeah, I need. I, 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 I do need this like up. dragon's breath cinnamon, but also uh, I should probably like put more passion in. Mm. I, like I it. just, oh, I just, I can just imagine that character turning into the BBEG, just going mad, not being able to find the <laughs> right. last ingredient, and tearing towns apart. I um, will tear this world <laughs> apart for the last drop of vanilla. <laughs> I need my scones. <laughs> the last vanilla pod somewhere on the planet. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, do you, you remind me of kind of like creating NPCs? Um, the the one thing the things that I do for NPCs, uh, which for some reason I find easier than player characters, is um, firstly, why are they there? So if I'm creating a character in a space, why are they in that space? Um, mm-hmm. But 
the two most important questions I like to ask about my NPC characters, regardless of how important they are, is what is their biggest fear and what mm-hmm. is their biggest want? So like what mm. what do they want the most in the world and what do they fear the most in the world? Um, and that just helps me with any interaction with with them when they have um, sort of like interactions with the players just their drive um, and how they would react in so many circumstances, depending on what our players say or do. Um, I just think it's really, really helpful for me uh, doing that for NPCs. Nice. Mm. Hannah, what's uh, what's your favorite part of creating a character? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I, you've stumped me because I, I had a whole other train of thought I was planning on going into. Uh, favorite part of creating a character, just, I don't know. Uh, because if I'm going to be pr- perfectly honest, I as much as I, I do love playing and embodying characters, and when that inspiration comes, it's so fulfilling, I feel very stressed out by character creation in mm. general. Um, and like I said, I play with a lot of people who it comes very naturally to them and they're constantly coming up with new characters to play with. Uh, so the whole process is, can be a little stressful to, for me. Um, like Ibrahim, I very strongly like to focus on who is this person in this world and then apply skills to that. Uh, I'm currently working on, and I've played a couple of times, this character that I'm, I'm hoping to sort of turn into my generic uh role-playing character at least in 5e where anytime i have a one shot that i don't have something pre-planned for if i can fit her in uh she's a tailor and she is an inquisitive rogue and if i have her high enough level she also multi-classes into i can't remember what kind but a bard um and uh you know this whole idea of uh how her daggers are flavored to look like a pair of scissors that can function as either a sword or daggers. Um, You know, functionally, they are separately a sword and two daggers, but flavored to be a pair of scissors like that. Um, Mm. And and how, you know, she can... uh, I think College of Whispers Bard is what I multi-class her into if I'm high enough level. Um, And by the way, in 5e, Bard and Rogue is... Chef's kiss, such a fun <laughs> class. Um, so, I guess the, my favorite part is when it finally just flows. Yeah. Um, when something clicks and it feels right and it feels sustainable, um, mm-hmm. and I find their voice, and that doesn't necessarily mean a you know a character voice. Um, it it just means find their truth. Yeah. Um. And like I said earlier, I'm trying so hard to get better at being comfortable finding that in the moment. Um, Nick and I actually recently did a one shot that was uh, 7th C and I'm very excited about this system. I definitely want to play more. Mm -hmm. I had a very stressful week. I didn't have time to figure out the character sheet and how to roll up a character for 7th C. So I asked for a pregen. Um, and I came in with next to nothing. I had my character sheet. I was told they were sort of a sneaky kind of figure. We were on a boat and that was literally all I had. I had no background and admittedly, I don't really remember what I came up with in the moment, but I did find some things in the moment of who this character was and just let myself go. And, and sometimes when I do try to play characters more in the moment, it does become more me as Hannah in this situation with these extra circumstances, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that I, I have these skills yeah. and I, I can function in this world, but otherwise personality wise, it's basically me. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's no shame in taking a pre-gen character and making them your own. Um, there's no shame in coming in with next to nothing and just pace, basically playing yourself um if that's where you're you is that that's what speed you're at today or yeah. always yeah. um at that moment i wanted to play 7th c i didn't want to and and i at that moment i wanted to play 7th c and bogging myself down in the character creation process was going to limit my fun 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do just want to play. So having a stock character like my seamstress that I'm trying to set up for at the very least 5e, but if I can, I'm going to port her into other games as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Or having a pregen and not really worrying about who they are and just having fun and playing. Sometimes that's the direction you go in and that's totally valid too. Yeah, I found um, 7th C for anyone who, especially for writing, um, what I found with 7th C's character creation, uh, they used a 20 questions game as part of their yeah. creation, which is, you know, it's asking a lot of introspective questions about your character. Not not about like, what special abilities do you want? But, you know, what is their drive? What's their motivation? What's a flaw? And I really thought 7th C did a great job and that there's a mechanic in the game for accepting failure so you can get a bonus if you accept your character failing at something based on one of their flaws for instance my character had an unlucky streak and so when it came time to grab onto something i chose that he was going to fail that no matter what Mm -hmm. and because i played into the character i got bonuses i could use later so 7c does a great job with that i also found the whole process um really introspective and a little cathartic uh I, as Hannah has, has brought up, like, it can be really easy to just kind of play yourself or at least mm-hmm. the idea you have of yourself in games. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, you, you may beat yourself up on doing that sometimes and feel like, oh, that this is an ego thing. I can only think of myself in a situation. Explore it because playing the game is not therapy, but it can be a useful tool to explore some things. <laughs> You know, these characters I've made for a long time, I realized I was reckoning with the way I grew up and I I grew up as an expat in a different country and being more uh, thinking back on that now, the privilege I had in that place and the effect my existence there might have had on the locals that goes into a lot of characters I make. And I didn't realize that until recently. Mm. So it can be a really powerful process. Backstories don't always have to be dramatic and tragic, mm-hmm. but they can reveal things about your character. And if you're playing yourself, they can reveal some things about yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're touching I've on something some really things. important there because I think it's, it's important to keep in mind that you can learn things about yourself by playing these games without it being strictly therapeutic. And I don't think it's fair to put the expectation on your GM or on other players of being there for your therapy session. Yeah. Right. Um, However, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to get anything from it because I've definitely had uh, sessions of games where I was like, ah, okay, I'm going to reference this session later in my therapy. Yeah, uh, I'm going to talk to my therapist <laughs> right. about this because yeah. this was really resonant. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with like using these characters to explore parts of yourself that you're like, uh, well, how do I feel about this? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I wasn't expecting that to hit the way it did uh and like we were talking about in a previous session about kind of uh lines and veils and um you know the session zeros and what you do and don't want in your game and coming across things that you didn't realize were triggering or actually eye-opening in ways that you weren't expecting um Mm. yeah especially when you're playing yourself yeah and i i i would find that 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 difference between using your characters as therapy versus using your characters as facil- facilitation. Right. And in a lot of my campaigns uh, for kids, especially because they're online and a lot of these kids are doing uh, homeschool or outschooled for, for different reasons. There are so many kids I've had come through who are in the LGBTQ community or are discovering that about themselves. And they mm. deliberately design a character to play that. And they'll yeah. be like, sometimes I always put my pronouns up on my little zoom handle so that if kids, I learned that from another kid. Uh, and sometimes I'll see a kid play uh, an opposite gender or a non-binary character. And it doesn't seem like it's something they have told their parents or something they're mm-hmm. outwardly acknowledging. And they kind of do it sheepishly. And they say like, well, my character is named this and he goes by these pronouns and they kind of look at the camera and wait for everyone to say something. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, this is their opportunity. 
They get to play this. They get to see what it's like being referred yep. to by different pronouns. They yeah. get to see what this world responds to their character as, which usually yep. my approach to that is we respond to you as a person. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the kids mm-hmm. get to see like, oh, it can be, it can be this, it can be normal, mm-hmm. it can be fine. Mm-hmm. So I've, I, I found that, yeah, your characters can be facilitators of different things you want to try on. Just mm-hmm. as just as you all were mentioning, yeah. One drawback I see potentially, at least in myself, for playing a character that is basically me plus or whatever you want to call it, uh, that that though is um, the issue of playing flaws, and if you aren't as comfortable accepting or poking fun at your own flaws that doesn't leave you very far to grow as the character, not as yourself, but as the character, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause whether or not you grow as a person from playing D and D is neither here nor there. It, it's a great thing if it happens, but it's not the end goal necessarily. Um, but if you want to have, if you want to be able to play a character that experiences some growth, having a flaw it's something I definitely have trouble with finding flaws for my character that I feel comfortable portraying mm-hmm. um, mm. that I feel comfortable uh, that I'm going to play them fairly that I'm going, you know, in terms of not belittling them for real people who have the, these flaws mm-hmm. um, that I'm going to remember to play these flaws. You know, everybody always wants to win. So who wants to actually play something flawed, but it's actually more interesting that way. Yeah. So I know that's something I struggle with is, is discovering flaws for a character and mm-hmm. playing them consciously playing them. <laughs> I enjoy using my stats to kind of like pinpoint a few flaws that are mm-hmm. at least like not too deep, you know, you don't want to get right. like too deep into some kind of really kind of complicated flaw. Um, right. But the, for example, my ranger who thinks she's God's gift is um, <laughs> her charisma is actually real bad. <laughs> um, and so it's very fun playing a character who thinks they have good charisma, but absolutely doesn't. Um, oh, wow. And so that was a really fun floor to kind of like pick out so it's like okay she has bad charisma do i not have her acknowledge that she has bad charisma or do i (laughs) completely (laughs) oblivious um and that was very very fun for me um so if people are looking for how do i pick out a floor use a stat you know one of your stats are going to be bad kind of play with it you know use that to your advantage in your disadvantages i suppose Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah there I'll get deep for a second here because sometimes, sometimes I forget that like, you know, we all know what we're talking about and we all kind of wink at each other on the cameras as we, as we circle (laughs) around topics. Um, For those who are wondering, like a good example of this, as Hannah was talking about, sometimes, you know, these flaws can speak to a deeper part of a character and you got to, you got to feel out whether you feel comfortable exploring that. So for an example, in our scene, as we revisited some old characters that we used, which we're going to be doing in the future because we just like these characters so much. Uh, as, as I was doing backstories for some of these characters, a lot of them just came kind of f- flowed naturally. Uh, but I realized doing Morella's backstory, there's a touchy topic there of a, of a character who was expected to start a family and didn't. Yeah. And that's okay. And maybe they never will. And this is a topic we here on the podcast have discussed me and my friends uh, at my age have discussed this. And it's something that's not talked about as much. That is a topic that can show up in a character and it could show up accidentally. And yeah, you have to kind of face that flaw, not flaw, but that theme of a character. And do I feel comfortable exploring this? Do I feel capable right. of exploring this? Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. Can I do well, this which, responsibly? <laughs> which again is, yeah. is also something you need to cross check with lines and veils and mm-hmm. with consent uh, checklists and things like that. Or just be open to somebody being like, hey, can we not? Exactly. And and yeah. if you're, if you're yeah. just writing something, if, you're, if this is outside of a game, then maybe consult. Seek some extra perspectives from people if you can. 
because it, it'll just make your characters better anyways. Mm-hmm. So while we're talking about character creation, there are some considerations that have a little bit more to do with the character sheets that we use for various games and the way that information is laid out on those sheets. Um, there are a lot of games that have a character sheet, uh, sort of like an official version that's either the playbook sheet or it's going to be in the player's handbook or uh, perhaps even in the GM book. Um, and sometimes you'll run into issues where there are different ways that information is laid out that don't work for certain people. Um, I'm thinking specifically of Mothership, which has a very sort of like a programming flowchart character sheet. Um, now, if you follow the arrows on the character sheet and start where the numbers tell you and just follow the arrows across the sheet, it makes sense. But if you're somebody who has a difficulty following that sort of visual stimulus, that's really confusing. Um, and it doesn't have the numbers where you would expect. Um, so one thing that you can always do is look for alternate versions of the character sheet. Um, because even if it's not just a character sheet that you don't get, maybe the text is too small. Maybe it's uh, formatted left to right or right to left, and you're just not thinking of it that way. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that you can do to simplify the way that information is presented. And one thing I do pretty often is just throw it in a spreadsheet. I've made digital yes. spreadsheets for many games that already have character sheets because it's easier for everyone to be able to look at a couple of columns of information than to look at everyone else's playbooks or character sheets yeah. to check features and all that stuff. And you know, presenting that information in a simple way helps so many people. Yeah, I know whenever I play a spellcaster, for example, a magic user... I will often create a Word document of my spells mm -hmm. um, rather mm. than having to flip through whatever guide there is for the spells. Yeah, um, I will highlight, and then I also, in, in 5th edition, I really like the idea of spell cards as well. Mm. Though sometimes yeah. so that good. can also be overwhelming depending on if you're a class that changes out their spells frequently. Mm -hmm. Um but uh and sometimes if i've come up with a little flourish like i have a, an alchemist character and i have decided how she casts all of her spells and her little multi-tool that she has and what part yeah. of the multi-tool is this spell coming out of or when she heals people she boops them on the nose oh, and, i love that uh, <laughs> i have written Lovely. in my notes of this character not just here's the description from the player's handbook of how this spell functions and what it does, but also here's my personal notes of narratively how I display this spell. Mm -hmm. And you can do that for any number of features and uh, traits and skills. Yeah. Speaking like of, I, Hannah, you mentioned it earlier and I didn't want to let it go by. The flavoring your character into the world. So, for instance, your 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 seamstress character using shears as the weapon, um, yeah, yeah, like yo, that that that's written so much, especially in D and D books, but in, in other books as well, in other game systems, that's so uh, recommended and exaggerated in multiple places. This character is your character; flavor mm -hmm. it how you want. Hundred uh, percent. Yep. Especially magic, because then then you get real creative and real fun. Yeah, you can make oh, those yeah. magic missiles look like anything you want. Hey, yes <laughs> know what your spells look like that's yes. that's one of my favorite parts no like if you have a big honking sword it's easy enough to say i swing my sword how do you swing your sword what mm -hmm. are you doing with your sword what's your body language how do you dispatch enemies like what flourishes do you perform or what lack of flourish know what your character is doing like not everyone can like it, it, there's different levels of being able to uh, envision things in your mind and that's totally fine but if you take a second to describe to other people what your character is doing in the scene, it can yeah. set the tone and it can allow for your character creation to extend past that initial uh, 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 session of just creating the numbers on the paper and into constantly creating your character in every moment of play and giving them that level of depth. I love it. I literally just had a little, when I was thinking about magic missiles looking however you want, I'm now just envis envisaging 
is that the word? Envisaging. Envisioning. 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 Thank you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from England, knowing English. Um, <laughs> Soccer. No. <laughs> Find a way to piss Emily off. Yeah, happy world to everyone. Bye. Um, y'all that play hand egg, it's all right. But, but um, the I'm just now thinking of an origami wizard and the um, magic missiles are at paper airplanes. Ooh. Yeah. Um, nice. And I just like all of their things just being papery and like folded and cool. So if you guys want to use that, you're welcome. <laughs> free use. Go to town. Have an origami wizard. Um, let me know how it goes. <laughs> their know. fireball is still a fireball, but there's paper at the center. <laughs> just a screwed up ball of paper that they've lit on fire. <laughs> you know, fireball. <laughs> funny enough, I think there was uh, in the latest animated series of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, I think it's the rise of the TMNT. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a off the walls interpretation and it's wonderful and hectic and chaotic, but they have some like origami ninjas they face off amazing and they're like sitting there folding things and then throwing them into existence yes so like, ninja yeah. stars, like choo. yes and, and yes, speaking yes, of yes. um if you're if you're looking for help creating characters or to get out of your wheelhouse that is one way to do it is look at pop culture archetypes oh, goodness, um, yeah. there Great. is a back when uh a little back in the day Cracked.com had a wonderful video from the After Hours series. If you've never watched After Hours, fantastic pop culture discussion series. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. But one of their episodes brought up character archetypes in that I, I think it was Sex in the City, Scooby-Doo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all using the same four <laughs> archetypes. And there's a lot of shows and uh, media that use those archetypes as well. So if yeah. you're having trouble look to pop culture and say, I'm going to build a character kind of like this one. Um, there's plenty to, to deal mean, from, and that's totally fine. My my artificer that I referenced earlier, she is loosely based on Entrapta from She-Ra. Oh, yeah, Entrapta. Oh, amazing. Like, you know, you can take inspiration from existing media. If you're playing a live stream, definitely do the work to make it truly your own. Yeah, And um, avoid those... <laughs> But you can find inspiration from existing media for your characters. Uh, I have a friend who, you know, he has one of our favorite. We, we did a one to twenty campaign. Those characters are very beloved to our uh, to us, and his character Annie is based on Annie from League of Legends, uh, oh, complete nice. with oh, a teddy bear familiar. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know League of Legends, but like. Apparently, it's it's a it started out very similar, but of course the character grows and you add to it, um, mm-hmm. and it's definitely a good way to find inspiration. Yeah, is pull from existing media, and then how do you morph that into something that's your own? And it always makes for mm-hmm. a nice moment with people. the 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 moment of recognition. We we played our seventh C one shot, and um, there was a character, and I think they I think this person was kind of my favorite to play with that day. They were playing a very um, uh, bookish, uh, big glasses wearing um, archaeologist type. Uh, mm-hmm. And it wasn't through halfway because I was just so enamored with the whole thing. I didn't even realize that we were playing a version of a story because I was just so happy to be playing. But halfway mm-hmm. through, the moment of realization hit me and mid mid game, I just you son of a bitch. That's Milo from Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah. He literally was calling himself Milo. I was really into the game. I I didn't catch that, actually. I love tricking Um, people into not knowing. uh, When they don't recognize the character and you get Mm -hmm. away with doing it for the whole campaign, (laughs) and then at the end, you get to reveal it. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I know we've we're not on the topic of world building or story building, but like the game we were playing was based on Othello. The jumping yeah. off point mm. was the story of Othello. Um, mm-hmm. so but the characters were so engaging that even I like I'm familiar with those names and characters and story, but I it totally went over my head because I was so totally, engrossed yeah. in the moment. My husband uh, picked it up, and that's the only reason I figured it out. I would have later, but uh, yeah. <laughs> So you can, you can pull from existing media for your inspiration for TTRPGs in a lot of ways. 100%. There is no such thing as an original idea. 
Um, I mean, I even pulled a character. I basically used Don Quixote as uh, a character right. idea. Um, so yeah, just go for it. Just flavor it how you want. Steal completely from anything you've seen. Just there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Take steal your inspiration from anything, and mm-hmm. then develop it. Yes. That's like that. Stealing is step one. Stealing inspiration is the first step, and then there is more work to be done. Yeah. I have a campaign, a, a a paused campaign, where I am playing a character called Lionel Sontag, and I'm so, I when you get it, you'll <laughs> when you get it, you'll probably be mad. But <laughs> this character is a bard, um, who has songs such as Any Other Sunday, um. Is anyone? Is anyone? Is it clicking for anyone? It's, it's Lionel Richie. Bell, but it's not yeah. cl- oh! Lionel Richie. I'm playing Lionel Richie, oh, and every nice. single, every single spell, every single thing that I've had this character say about their music has just been a Lionel Richie song. That's amazing. <laughs> and I love how no one is catching on, and I'd love to just keep on. This bit's gonna keep going. I, yeah. love, I love it that. Should. Such a troll when I <laughs> love it. As it should. I love right. it. <laughs> his, his, his old band, the Commodores, and no one got it. Oh, really? <laughs> Even with that? That's, that's yeah. We, that's... We, we made Florence the Machine canon in one of our game worlds. So as Ibrahim said, don't feel afraid to you know take your steal your inspiration but also don't feel shallow about that your goal should be that one day someone's going to steal their inspiration from you oh yeah and yeah you're just adding point. yourself to the canon you're adding yourself to the pantheon so you know listeners don't don't fear don't fret we will certainly revisit the idea of character creation and development in a future episode because it's just a wonderful topic but as we go out today i want to ask everyone doesn't have to be your favorite because that that question I know that's an immediate like punch the interviewer type question. But what's one of your favorite uh, character archetypes to either play or use as a NPC or explore? What's a favorite character archetype? Ooh. I think my favorite my favorite excuse me I think my favorite character archetype is probably going to have to be uh, the Xanatos style villain. That sort oh, yeah. of like delightfully villainous, uh, but with a clear goal, masterminding and puppeteering everything behind the string behind ugh, masterminding and puppeteering everything behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I think that character type just lent itself well to melodrama. And I love a mm-hmm. good melodramatic villain. I love a villain who's going to be like yeah. coming in and announcing, hey, I was here from day one. Here's why. Here's how. And I'm going to tell you because it's important to me that you know. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect like opportunity that. for I monologuing. Like yeah. <laughs> Need a good I have one. Uh, I, I wouldn't say this is necessarily a favorite so much as it's something that I tend to just gravitate toward, um, which is the quote unquote do-girder. Mm-hmm. And part of it is it meshes very well with who I am as a player of constantly trying to drive the action forward and constantly trying to find solutions. Um, And I just tend to gravitate toward playing characters that are trying desperately to do the right thing, to fix things. Um, And I think that the character that I'm currently finding most beloved, uh, my, my swashbuckler Belle is very much, someone who's just trying to look out for the little guy and mm-hmm. just be a do-gooder. And it, it meshes very well with, like I said, who, who I am as a player. Um, so that balance is very uh, fun to play, I guess. Uh, but it's also just what I gravitate toward. It's always good to have a moral compass too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I play the moral compass characters. I don't know. <laughs> Emily, you got uh... one? Oh, I think so. I think so. Um, looking at previous trends of characters that I've made, um, I seem to have the most fun with and uh, gravitate towards the most to very um, eccentric, wacky kind of characters. Um, always kind of like a little bit strange, a little bit fun, um, maybe a little bit um, naive you know not quite really knowing what they're doing um very endearing but also 
masking the fact that they're very broken inside. Hmm. Um, I like the kind of juxtaposition, uh, juxtaposition of a very happy, bright, silly character that's got a very, very kind of like, I don't want to say like sad past, but they're, they're, they're hiding something that's actually quite upsetting. Um, just to, so they're putting on this big front to kind of like, protect themselves basically uh so i quite like playing those kind of characters ones that are very flawed and fragile but put on a big front yeah hidden depths yeah i like it i i don't know exactly what this says about me but i think there's i think carrying a lot of internalized guilt for things i know i know objectively i should not feel guilty over but the way the way and place i grew up in I think I really gravitate towards characters who are the really hapless and unlucky characters who are never going to stop trying, but will probably Mm. fail over and over and over again. I I get this picture in my head of some really beat up prize fighter who hasn't won a match in forever. And they're not Rocky. They ain't going to have their moment, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. they never stop hoping for it. I, there was something the creator of Bob's Burger said one time when someone asked him, hey, these are lovable characters. This family's wonderful. Are we ever going to like, do they ever get to succeed? They're in this failing business, et cetera. And he said, <laughs> they're in a failing restaurant. They are struggling every day right now. That's where we see them right now. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the stories are coming from. So I keep that in my head with these characters of, yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day, just one time, they're they're gonna get it right, and that mm-hmm. is the hope and the thought that they keep all the time, even as they're, you know, getting stomped on. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that says about me, but those are my favorite characters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I think all of wow. these things are secretly saying something about who we are. <laughs> oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, hey, it just means we make an amazing D and D party. Okay, <laughs> we do. Yeah. That's true. That's Wait. very true. Wait, and I'd be the I'm big going man. back to what Ibrahim said. Yeah, Ibrahim's <laughs> yeah, got to right. betray be all of us. Be <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't betray you. I would just, you know, we we're, we're we have different goals. <laughs> and this is where I bearded lead. dragon. I, this was in front of us the whole time. Yes, the bearded dragon is a, just yep. a real dragon. <laughs> just been polymorphed. So thank you everyone for joining us uh, on this episode of Delightful Dungeon Diving. I am Nick. You can find me at Bearded Plaisance on Instagram under Delightful Dungeon Diving on TikTok. And I will also note that Delightful Dungeon Diving now has a presence on the very fast-growing Hive social network. Uh, so you can find us there as well. Hello and goodbye. Uh, I'm Emily Graymore and it's been an absolute pleasure. If you want to come and find me, I'm on TikTok most regularly. And that's Emily Graymore with an E on the end because I like to be complicated. And I often do D&D and RPG and voice acting TikToks uh, for fun. So come find me. And I'm Hannah. You can find me mostly on TikTok and also a couple other places under the username critical underscore stitch uh and therein you can find a link tree to find my other presences elsewhere thank you my name is ibrahim you can find me everywhere on the internet that matters under cosmic underscore ebe uh that's ebe spelled i-b-e um i don't really have any pluggables i don't think at the moment uh just to continue to watch prayers in the static we're going to be going on break relatively soon for uh christmas but we'll be back with another season in the new year awesome hi everyone thanks bye bye I'm fucking up for everyone here, so no one else has to.